Ladies and gentlemen, you know exactly what time it is. Welcome back to the Catitude Podcast on the Believe Network. I'm your host, Anders Pryor. Thank you for making this podcast and all of your favorite Believe Network podcasts part of your sports consumption week. Guys, we're back in the studio. All right, no more handheld mic. This thing is propped up now, so maybe you can hear me a little bit better. Um, Hopefully not get tired of my voice either way. Uh, But it's good to be talking to you guys. Um, School's rolling off. We're kind of getting into the rhythm of things now. Don't have to double check where all my classes are and all that. But uh, um. We're gonna we're 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 kicking it off here, guys. We have we have women's basketball, um, which is something that I'm gonna try and incorporate a little bit more into the show. Um, going forward, I'm gonna try to as best I can, um, because I, I was very lucky, you know, I got to be here sort of during uh um Maddie Segrist's like kind of peak like apex you know point of dominance and I, I was very fortunate to watch her live multiple times and it was great and so it's sort of hard to replicate it, it's a dual street because you know on one hand you know you get your kind of your point in right there with Maddie and then you go in the building to see her and then you get hooked on just the product in general, like the Villanova basketball product in general for women's uh, basketball, which is great. Um, and Denise Dillinger deserves a lot of credit. There's this other thing, too, where people are sort of just there to see Maddie. And um, I think that, you know... It's a show, right? Like, people don't go to watch the Warriors, necessarily. They go to watch Steph Curry. People don't go on to, to watch the Ravens. They go on to watch, you know, Lamar Jackson. Maddie, I think, to a certain extent, has that effect. Now, thankfully, Lucy Olsen has stepped in really nicely to replace that kind of primary scoring role. I believe she's... she's um, I think she's fourth in scoring in terms of points per game. I think the most, because Clark was obviously not as good last year, but was still phenomenal last year leading the NCAA in scoring. Maddie, I think, was second. I think that was the highest she ever got. I don't know how the highest that Lucy's gotten to, but I believe right now she's fourth. Um, and, and so she, you know, maybe not, not quite like the WNBA prospect that Maddie was to, in the minds of some people, but is still an incredibly entertaining player to go out and see. Um, I'm probably going to be there tonight um, at um, at that game. So, you know, depending on how things here shake out, you know, I'll make it even if it's partway through just, just, to, just to go and see. Got some friends there. But, um, but if you are not tuned in, and I'm assuming if this if you're if you're listening to this podcast, you are tuned in to Lucy Olson. But if you're not, go check check her out. Um, kind of a you know, I've written stuff before about how Denise Dillon is the constant. But regardless, you know, Lucy is super fun to watch and has had multiple like Big East Performance of the Year nominations to me. Um, so go check her out. 
which is great. If you can see her live, um, go. If you have the opportunity to do it, do it. If not, go just type in her name on YouTube. It's 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 a spectacle. It really is. So, um, but 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 we have a men's game to talk about the Marquette game. Um, couple points. Um, to start, it's 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 hard to. It, it it's it's again it's another another dual way street in that it's hard to be disappointed. Um, first of all, it's harder to be disappointed because you guys remember my my prediction was that we would be swept by Marquette. Boom, there's one check mark. Um, we'll see how we finish off against UConn and Creighton, but um, it's hard to be mad when you score eighty points. It's also frustratingly hard to say ahead of time that you're going to score score eighty points and lose. Unless you're playing like, which unless you're playing, you know, can either Kentucky or Purdue is really, really hard to do. Um, either them or UNC scoring any points and losing, unless against one of those three teams, is incredibly difficult. Um, but I, I really thought that you know we made our threes. I, I think we owe. I forget how many we made, but I know we owe, on the broadcast they said that we opened the second half. I think it was five of eight, and we went on that. I, I think I think it got up to a fourteen to two run. I know that the kind of the apex of it, you know, before it started to the pendulum started to swing, was that we went on the it was a twenty nine to ten run, and a lot of that was from the three point line. Um, I understand the three point line. You know, in terms of its analytical importance in how we coach basketball. Um, I wish that it was a more of a complementary piece to our style of play as opposed to the focal point of our style of play. Because again, you know, if you look at the numbers, there's a there's kind of this unusual disparity from the percent of, of our shots that come from behind the arc in, in its relationship to our efficiency shooting threes. Um, and it, and it's got, there's been certain games where it's gotten to a point where it puts our label as a quote, good shooting team end quote into jeopardy. But I don't think that we're at that point. And I think especially last night from the other side of that, um, it's the reason we were even in that game. It's it'd be able you know, lose by six, which is hard to do, you know, only losing by six against Parkhead is really difficult, but also scoring eight against them. So you gotta give the people props for that. I thought that Bomba was great. I thought that I thought that he was really confident. I think you know, confident. When I was talking about this game with people, confidence was a word that was used a lot, and I see that a lot with Bamba. I thought that we saw that with Mark, and 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 but Mark, you know, more so in a rational way because I think that part of the reason, you know, we 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 finally got the, the you know, you guys know me that I was on the bench, Mark for Hakeem bandwagon that all the people were, and we got that. I thought that for whatever reason, and this we see this happen sometimes. It's it's more so in professional sports, but I do think that Mark was rejuvenated. I think that for whatever reason, his role seems to fit more clearly, and I thought he drove to the basket with more confidence. I thought his mid ranges he took with more confidence, and he made threes too, which you have to give him you know credit for. Um, if we're gonna if we're gonna give guys you know crap for missing, then we had to give them credit for making. Um, that's just the reality of it. And so I thought that he was great there too. You know, Eric Dixon had another great game. Justin Moore, also great. His presence, you know, the connectiveness that he sort of provides, it, it's starting to seep in more. It was it was getting there, and then we fell off a little bit with the Butler game, and then we got back to where we were, um, where we're supposed to be, where everyone expected him to be. 
um, which is great. It's it's fantastic. Um, Hakeem, fine. Um, I, this is obviously only his second game starting. I want to see what he looks like by the end of the time that he has a five or six game span of starting games. And we'll see, because, you know, not everyone that starts closes, right? That depends. I think, you know, last night we saw Mark close. Um, even though we were in a, in a, in a foul-shading, chasing situation, I, you know, you want to see that. Uh, and I thought that overall it was good to see, you know, they're growing pains. And I think even the people that were in the bench mark for Hakeem Camp were, you know, we all expected this. There's going to be some growing pains with Hakeem starting. That's fine. I'm willing to deal with it. Maybe some people in that camp did kind of were like, hey, like if we put this guy in and we give him like real starter minutes, he's going to go off. He's going to go crazy. He's going to score like 15 every single night. I didn't expect that. I do want a little bit more productivity. However, I am willing to sit back and let him mold himself into the kind of starting player that he wants to be. Um, you know, just just in just in the same way how we saw Eric, his sort of offensive role, and in some parts his offensive really identity shift when going from a bench player to a starting player, and maybe we see that with Hakeem. Now, obviously, with Eric, it was much more methodical, but that's really the, the you know, but it's same thing with um, when we saw it with Slater, like his confidence in his shot affected the kinds of shots that he would take and how consistently he would take them, um, which was great. And he benefited a lot from it as a player. And I thought as a person too, in the times that I've, you know, in the, in the times that I've interviewed him at, 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 at post games, he, he, he sounds more confident. Um, Cause for a while he was never really able to go up there, but now he was, when he's, once he got up there, he was, more confident, and I want to see that kind of confidence in Hakeem, but I'm willing to wait five games to see it before I make like an official judgment call as to whether or not I was right or wrong in the benching mark for Hakeem party. Um, yeah, ultimately, we lost to a team that was better than us, um, that would, that's better coached than us. It's hard to you know. It's hard to out coach. Shock is smart. Um, just in general, shout out to Tyler Kolek because the I feel like sometimes the the Big East gets certain knocks for not being quite as entertaining of a product as it used to be. The Big Ten now it's the Big Twelve um, or the Pac Twelve in a lot of ways not being as entertaining of a product. He is so fun to watch. I don't care who you root for, if you're a Big East fan or not. He's a blast to watch. He really, really, really is. And they keep saying, um, on the bro- every time, every time, this is like, the, it's been like three or four Marquette games now, where I watch and I hear the FS1 people say, is there, I don't, I think I can, there, you know, Tyler Kolek and Osa Iguodara are the best pick-and-roll combination one-two punch threat in college basketball. And whenever they say that, you know, that that's an ultimate statement. And I try to sit there and I try to go through and, and think of others. And I, and, I, and I genuinely 
couldn't. I couldn't think of a single one. I couldn't think of one in the Big East. Like, you know, some people that come close, but I, I genuinely sat there and I was like, holy crap, they're right. And that's why they're so, you know, maybe, you know, Newton and Klingon on UConn, although they don't run that scheme as effectively because of the, the kind of uniqueness that Klingon has in relationship to his frame and his skill set. They don't run it in that sort of way. Igadaro is more kind of built for that sort of role. And, you know, Kolick and Newton being similar in terms of athleticism and skill set. So that's, that. you know, but that was like the first thing. I was like, okay, well, let's start with the Big East. But I couldn't think of anything. So huge shout out to them. And the, and and for the flashiness, sometimes those teams kind of get in the way of you know real defense. Shaka has his teams play real, real, real defense, dead serious. Go watch these guys. I know I'm not supposed to be talking about you know enemy lines, but go watch Marquette. Like if you're just like a like if you're just a if you only follow Villanova basketball, go watch Marquette. Go watch like another Marquette Big East game against someone or go watch highlights like Tyler Cole like highlights from when they were doing like non-conference stuff um all that it was great it's such a fun team it really really is um so I don't know I feel like yeah we just we just lost to a better team and that's fine the losses against teams that we know for a fact are not as good or are not as well coached as us those are the ones that sting. This doesn't sting. It's frustrating because we were close. It's frustrating for the same reason that we, that UConn, the loss, the one point loss to UConn was frustrating. Um, although that was better because for that way, I, I, I felt, I, you guys remember, I was very adamant on this. Um, the sort of, um, I felt better about the team leaving the game than I did entering it. Here I feel neutral. I feel the same as I did. Um, which is fine. Some people feel worse. Um, the the Butler game maybe worse. Hard to say. Here it's neutral. That I can say for sure. Um, but I I think overall, um, it's hard to have a takeaway from something that was so indistinct because we did so many things well, the things that we try to do well, you know, the ways that we try to shoot threes and those specific ways that we get that we get Eric Dixon involved, that we can only get him involved and no one else really in college basketball because there's no one that really does that has that super small ball center specific skill set that he has. And that we've talked about over the course of the season with you guys. Um, it was all there, but we just got outscored, which is fine. Um, and again, I know that there's a theme here, which is that Villanova's tendency to sort of open up games by letting up eight to 10 to 12 points in a, in a span at a time on these runs that we allow for our opponents. And people say, okay, well, if we didn't open with that, then hell, we, we would have won. Um, so I believe if I'm not mistaken, um, they started nine nothing, and so if we cut that even by, what would it have to be, if we cut that by three or four, we tie or win or whatever. Which you know, I get it. Um, that's coaching to me, not even coaching really, because a lot of that, like the the instances 
that that's really happened to. And a lot of the times that happens like mid games. So that's, you know, that's when all the stuff's kind of kicked underway and all the momentum of the game is kind of started. So when it happens mid game, it's, it, it's more difficult. And even, but even then that's a, it's a problem, which I understand and I get it and I see it and we can analyze it. However, when people are ta- using that example where if we did not let this happen, then we would have won the game. The only two really examples that we have for that are the UConn game and the Marquette game, which I kind of don't really take as heavily because those are two teams that are clearly and defiantly better than us and might be the two best teams in college basketball. Who knows? At the, I mean, at this point, it's a very that's a real conversation. Um, but, you know, so you need, you need nuance there, obviously. But I think overall, um, pretty neutral reaction, which I know for such a big-time game at home feels like a really anticlimactic conclusion. Because um, in the broadcast, they did say, you know, yeah, hey, this crowd's reckless. Not reckless, excuse me. Well, you know, who knows? Um, but restless. That's a good word. I never thought of that word to describe the kind of the ethos and the sort of the zeal of what's happening with the with the fan base, but that's a really good word to describe it. But overall, I'd say pretty neutral overall collective reaction. So now what I want to do for this other part of the show is talk about something that's a little difficult. And the only reason I feel comfortable talking about it is because I um, feel like now with the time that's passed and what I've seen on it, it's a pretty public um, thing that happens. So I'm going to talk about it on this show. And I might sever some stuff. I might get in trouble. I don't know. So there was an incident at the game last night in which um, someone in... And I'm, and I know who this person is. I know them. I'm going to keep... Because I know, I know that just in case students... You know, if they know who this is, they can figure it out. If they don't, then it's fine. Um, and keep it that way. Because I haven't seen much of their name anywhere but I do know who this is but so last night at the game in the student section there was an instance um of a student in the student section um as Kyle was walking through the tunnel you know him kind of leaning over and sort of yelling um at him um saying you know when are we going to figure it out when are we going to get it together something you know adjacent to that and um, it was not received well. Um, multiple people in, on Twitter and social media came out and said, you know, for a while it was, you know, I just want to make it aware that this happened on Twitter. And then someone came out, hey, like, I know it was you. Like, you know, this is not acceptable. What have you. Um and this person who did it, I, I've since that happened, I've interacted with them. And in a group setting, digital group setting, have interacted with them. And at first there was pushback. And we, 
me and my friend, you know, we, we, I, I, I've always appreciated the, the kind of sort of heaviness and maturity that we take with discuss our discussion of sports and our approach to sports and our lives in general. Um, and this was not reflective of that. And, um, since then this person has come out on social media to apologize because it was a very, I think I was, I was not there. I was not at the game, but it was a very, um, I think it, it made people uncomfortable and it made people upset. Um, and I understand why, because my takeaway was, you know, this is that kind of behavior is not, you know, it's, it's not okay. Um, it's insecure, it's harass, it's harassment, it's aggressive, it's tone deaf. Uh, yeah, it's overstepping, inappropriate, unacceptable. And it's not a reflection of the basketball team, men's or women's. It's not a reflection of um, the athletic department. And it's not a reflection of the university or its student body particularly as a whole. Um, And I'm saying that on here, and this is my first time really like taking a risk when saying something on this show. Because obviously I know the person, so therefore they know me. Um, But I want, I'm assuming that at least some of you who tune into this show um have heard about it or were there even and so I feel like for you guys as my audience it is only right to you that I address it to some capacity um so and maybe I have to go through some hard conversations after this gets released um and if that is the case then I will not make them known or public on the show. Um, but I wanted to address it. Um, Colin Neptune's a person. He already has a lot in his mind in terms of, you know, the, the weight of his responsibility by taking over this, you know, this, this program and this roster, um, and this team, and representing our culture. <clears throat> and um, this was a total violation of that. Um, and I think, you know, if, if, if Jay Wright was there, um, he would look at that incident with shame. And just not even shame. That's probably not the right word. With disapproval. Um, Because this person in particular, you know, in a moment felt like they were representing the and, and, and kind of being a body of representation for the frustration of the fan base broadly. Um, And that's not and the way in which he they, you know, they did that was not uh, justified. And I want to make that my perception of that very clear to you guys um so 
yeah um it sucks it's 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 not a great thing to talk about um because you know there's frustration i i'm not for i i try you guys know me i i genuinely don't find it the most things frustrating it takes a lot to get me frustrated um as a as a as a as a as a sports kind of analyst voice but also as a person and uh but the and but the broadly the students are and this was a really kind of um ugly apex of that and um if people are willing to say that I, I I feel like I have to as well. Um, so like I said, the person who did this, um, has come out and apologized, um, which was the right thing to do. Um, it was something that we encouraged him to do. Um, and I, and I feel so just weird like integrating like all of this together into an episode but um i if if i don't then it's gonna make me feel bad um about my lack of assertiveness on the state of the program which is something that i take pride in on the show off the show and in general so i'm i i publicly condemn it it's not a representation of who we are as a program or a university. Um, I hope that steps are made to mitigate that behavior. Um, and I apologize to those who saw it because I, I would have felt uncomfortable if I was there. Um, so there you have it. My first kind of serious note to end with for an episode. Um, but that's going to do it for me here. Um, I appreciate you guys tuning in um, and through this kind of weird time in, in the program, you know, choosing me as a source of information. Um, so thank you for tuning in. This has been the Catitude Podcast on the Believe Network with me, Anders Pryor. Have a great week. I'll talk to you guys again very soon. Stay warm, stay safe, go cats, I'll see you later.